Well, on Tuesday this week, I went to a doctor's appointment, and as many times when I go to the doctor or to another appointment, I was in clericals. The nurse asked if I was a priest, as if there was a question about that, and I made a joke about the outfit and it giving it away, and she said, oh, I need to talk to you right now. And I never know quite where this is going, because it can be a range of situations from I hate the church, to this awful thing happened to me, to I need to pray for you, to asking me my own theological stance on something. And so she pulled my chart out of another nurse's hand and said, come with me. And we went into an exam room and she shut the door. She said, I don't know if I should do this or not, but I have to ask you to pray for me. And I said, well, okay. And so we sat and we talked. And this happens a lot. And I, I, I suppose that it happens to some of you all that often wear crosses or religious symbols on your shirt or sleeve or around your neck. That people might stop and ask you occasionally to pray for them. Now, in that space, I think, people are really sharing their deepest thoughts it's a way of sharing our deepest thoughts and biggest desires with one another. It's a way of putting our heart on our sleeve and telling each other the sort of pain we're in and sharing that burden together and inviting God's healing together into our lives. And so in this case, the nurse shut the door and she told me a story about her 17-year-old son. She was a black woman and so her son too was a black man. She told me about the anxiety she was having here in the month of September about him leaving from home next September and about the state of our country and how she was afraid that late at night when her son went out that something might happen to him, that he might do something stupid or silly, that a police officer might do something stupid or silly. It was the deepest, most depths of our heart. My heart always breaks during this kinds of conversation, and unfortunately, this is not the first conversation in which a black woman has approached me and asked me for prayer for her son. And there in that room, she shared her fears and her concerns and her inwardmost thoughts, and that exam room turned into sort of a confessional or sacred space. It didn't matter whether we had our heads bowed or whether we said prayers out loud. That moment was sacred. And I vowed to pray for her and her son and our nation that one day we might all live in safety. On Wednesday, I gathered in this space with our preschoolers for our bi-weekly chapel. We gathered to tell the stories of baptism, about how the waters of new beginning rush over us. We gathered to light the light of Christ in the midst of darkness and to sing hymns. Now, always I pray with the preschoolers, but it's often a call and response prayer that goes something like this, dear God, dear God, we thank you for the waters of baptism, we thank you for the waters of baptism, we thank you for family, we thank you for family, we thank you for friends, we thank you for friends, amen, amen. It's usually sort of a call and response thing that we get in a habit of doing, but this time, as soon as I said, let us pray, a little girl just blurted out, Priest Amanda! I said, yes. She said, can you pray for my mamma's papa? And I said, 
Well, yes, I can do that. Now, those of you all that have worked with preschoolers know that you never go down this rabbit hole. Because once you've asked one child what they need, all the rest of them chime in. And our preschoolers are particularly chatty. And so we had a whole rabbit hole of mamas, papas, and pets, and Delilahs, and something going on What was a long, convoluted story with a dog that involved intestines and blood and vomiting. I'm not sure what that was, but it was bad. And so as I sat in that space with all of them, I said, okay, let us pray again. And I started to think that we would just do our normal, dear God, dear God, dear God, dear God. But then I thought... Well, we've got to pray for all these prayer requests that we just received, which were 20 at one time, most dealing with dogs. Um, and then I thought, wait, we can do this together. And so we said a communal prayer of intercession. It was call and response, and we prayed for dogs, Phoebe and Delilah, and we prayed for Mamaw's Papa, and we prayed for our families and our friends and all of our pets. And I think we mostly covered it. It was a divine and beautiful moment of invoking the name of God and God's blessing and God's healing upon Mamaw's papa and the bowels of an unnamed dog and all of our pets and families that we held together. On Wednesday, I visited one of you all in the hospital after procedure and asked for your prayers for me as I undergo my procedure this week. On Thursday, one of you all stopped me in a hallway to talk about a deep hurt you had with your children. And on Thursday, we shared together in a small group some deep pains from a hurtful past. On Thursday, I also ran into one of our mayoral candidates, and I reminded him that I pray for him every time I see a sign, which means that I'm doing a lot of praying on Bourne and Jarvis Avenues. Then it called me to point because I realized that if I was praying for one candidate, I need to be praying for the other candidate. So now I'm driving around all the time praying for our candidates and for the good of our community. And on Friday, I met with Jeannie and John to talk about a workshop they will be leading at our Diocesan Ministry for Everybody Day on the 13th. And about how our prayers are so much more meaningful when we together pray as a community for all of our needs as a community. I think whether or not folks realize it, when they ask us to pray for them, they are sharing the deepest parts of their soul, their best dreams for the world, their deepest hurts, their pain, their hope, and that we become stronger as a community when we together invite God's powerful presence into those prayers. In today's reading from James, we read about how we share with one another in prayer, how we share our deepest hopes and our hardest hurts and our most wonderful dreams and our hearts and souls and the power of community. Our reading says, Are any among you suffering? Says James, then they should pray. Are any of you cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. We have a wonderful ability these past 30 days to have sang our songs of praise and thanksgiving together with UTO. Today we say one communal prayer to offer all of those thanksgivings up to God. Are any among you sick, the letter asks. They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. 
and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, James says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Pray for one another so that you might be healed. And I think it's really important that James is talking about this in the context of prayer within community. Now, don't get me wrong. I think that our individual prayers and praying at home and our daily quiet time are very important. But even in those times, we're often advocating for our community or for the people that we love. Prayer is not an individual action or alone or a singular thing that we do. We do it in the midst of community when two or three are gathered to breathe in, welcome, discern God's midst in the midst of us. And something sacred happens when our hearts and minds and souls and conversations with each other are all aligned towards God's healing and love and grace and mercy and peace. Something sacred and holy happens when we invite God into that space of our deepest hopes and our greatest desires. Whether that's Mamaw's Papa or our country's racial reconciliation or our most fearful inward thought or a passing sign or a prayer of gratitude for our UTO box. When we invite the presence of God into all aspects of our communal life together, it is a sacred and rich and powerful endeavor. In today's gospel, we read the story about how a man was walking all over town casting out demons in Jesus' name. A man in town who wasn't a disciple, who didn't hang out with the disciples, who didn't follow Jesus around with the disciples was actually out there calling upon the peace and presence and love and healing power of the divine and healing the sick in Jesus' name. Now, you might remember that a few weeks ago, we read another story in the Gospel of Mark. In the same book, chapter 9, verses 14 through 29. And then a few weeks ago, we read about how the disciples were gathered And everybody was arguing. There seems to be a lot of arguing with the disciples in this particular section of Mark. And how Jesus asked the disciples what the argument is over. And how this man sort of comes and inserts himself into the situation and says, well, they're arguing over my son. My son cannot talk. From childhood, he's had a demon. He's had seizures. And I brought him at first to your disciples, but they couldn't do anything about it. And Jesus, of course, as Jesus does, cures the man. And later in the discourse, the disciples ask, Jesus, why couldn't we heal this guy? And Jesus says, well, this kind of healing comes through prayer. In today's gospel, we read about a man, not a disciple, not hanging out with the disciples, not even close to Jesus, who's casting out Jesus I was casting out Jesus, demons in Jesus' name and is doing this work on behalf of the gospel and who's getting it and who's able to do it. He's able to heal. He's able to pray, even though he isn't the closest person to Jesus in the room. This kind of healing comes only through prayer, Jesus says. This kind of healing comes when we are able to be open and honest and share with one another. When we are able to ask our friends and our community and our neighbors and the strangers around us to practice with us and to invite 
the life and love and breath and light and healing and grace and peace of God into the situations around us. Prayer happens with closest disciples and with those furthest away from the fold. Prayer happens with brave preschoolers in a big circle who stand up and demand prayer. And when strong moms tell you that they're hurting, I think prayer happens when someone sits on a court stand and tells their hurtest story to change our society into a more peaceful and sharing one. I think prayer happens when we see a political sign and have a wish for a greater Somerset. Prayer happens whenever, wherever, we are able to share our biggest dreams and deepest hurts with another person and invite God's presence into that space. Are any among you suffering? They should pray, James says. Are any of you cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Are any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of the faithful will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed.